Welcome to this Peer Voice activity. To access the entire activity, including supporting material, go to www.peervoice.com forward slash GJV. This program has been supported by an independent educational grant from Gilead Sciences Incorporated. Welcome to this Peer Voice activity on metastatic triple negative breast cancer. This activity comprises a series of four streaming episodes with Dr. Sarah A. Hurwitz. Hello, I'm Dr. Sarah Hurwitz from the University of California, Los Angeles, California, USA. Welcome to this four-part activity titled Clinical Case Challenge, Implementing Antibody Drug Conjugates into Routine Metastatic Triple Negative Breast Cancer Treatment Plans. In this first episode, I'll discuss a patient who has experienced disease progression after immune-based therapy. Our patient is a 57-year-old woman who presented with stage four triple negative metastatic breast cancer. A tumor biopsy was performed and confirmed that PDL1 was positive by the CPS testing mechanism. She received first-line pembrolizumab plus NAB paclitaxel. She initially has a response, but then her disease progresses. What would be an optimal second-line therapy option? As I consider this, I consider the fact that the patient has received only one prior line of therapy. And so based on current available practice, I would recommend proceeding with a second type of systemic therapy, such as chemotherapy. This particular patient does proceed to receive gemcitabine and carboplatin. And after having that, her disease progresses again she has no brain metastases. This actually was confirmed by a brain MRI. So the question becomes, would this patient be a candidate for trope 2 directed antibody drug conjugate therapy? And when considering this, one considers the results of the ASCENT phase three clinical trial, which evaluated the trope two targeted antibody drug conjugate, sasituzumab govotecan, compared to treatment of physician's choice. In this phase three clinical trial, patients who had previously received two prior lines of systemic therapy and had metastatic triple negative breast cancer uh, received sasituzumab or one of uh, several options of treatment of physician's choice, which were all single agent chemotherapy. In this study, the progression-free survival associated with sasituzumab govotecan was 5.6 months median versus 1.7 months for the treatment of physician's choice. In addition, the overall survival in patients being treated with sasituzumab was 12.1 months uh, and was 6.7 months in those patients receiving treatment of physician's choice. Both of these outcomes were statistically significantly in favor of sasituzumab govotecan. Importantly, for the overall survival outcome, the hazard ratio was 0.48 and was highly statistically significant. In terms of side effects, it is important to know that with sasituzumab-based therapy, 
patients may have neutropenia with about a third of patients having grade three, four neutropenia. So this is something that is important to monitor for. In addition, the majority of patients will experience some level of diarrhea with about 10% of patients experiencing grade three or greater diarrhea. So this is another area that needs to be monitored closely. The median duration of treatment with sasituzumab govotecan was 5.1 months, which was approximately twice that achieved with the prior therapy patients had received, indicating that patients uh, treated with sasituzumab govotecan are not experiencing resistance to chemotherapy-based approaches when given in the form of an antibody drug conjugate. In summary, for this patient who had previously received two prior lines of systemic therapy for metastatic triple negative breast cancer, a trope 2 targeted ADC is an evidence-supported approach to take in this particular patient. Thanks for joining me. Please stay tuned for our next episode. Welcome back. In episode two, I'll discuss a patient who has experienced disease progression after initial systemic therapy. Our patient is a 63-year-old woman who initially presented with left stage three breast cancer. She received paclitaxel, carboplatin with pembrolizumab, followed by dose-dense doxorubicin and dose-dense cyclophosphamide with pembrolizumab. Surgical intervention was done after her neoadjuvant systemic therapy at the end of 2021, and it was noted that there was residual disease in the breast, although the lymph nodes were clear. She completed postoperative radiation therapy and completes adjuvant pembrolizumab. In late 2022, she developed a cough and was noted by imaging to have a recurrence in her lungs. Molecular testing was done on a biopsy of the lung tissue, and it was noted that her tumor was PDL1 negative. She initially refused germline BRCA testing, but ultimately agreed to do so and was found to have a germline deleterious BRCA1 mutation. Her tumor, I should note, was triple negative breast cancer as confirmed on biopsy of the lung. She felt very exhausted from the chemotherapy that she received not so long ago and is really wanting to pursue non-chemotherapy-based treatment as her first-line regimen. So she and her physician chose to initiate a laparib. This induced a benefit for her, which lasted approximately 12 months until her disease again progresses after a laparib. So now the patient is facing deciding whether to go forward with chemotherapy or an antibody drug conjugate as second line treatment based on regulatory guidance from the FDA and European Regulatory Authority. According to the National Comprehensive Cancer Network guidelines, uh, sasituzumab govotecan, a trope 2 targeted ADC, is an appropriate option in the second line setting and later for metastatic triple negative breast cancer in patients who have received at least two prior systemic therapies, one of which was in the metastatic setting. Our particular patient received neoadjuvant and adjuvant systemic therapy and then first line treatment 
treatment with a PARP inhibitor, which was considered to be a systemic therapy meeting the criteria for enrollment on the ASCENT study, which led to the approval of sasituzumab govotecan in this setting. In terms of ESMO guidelines, uh, in addition, it is noted that patients are appropriate for sasituzumab-based therapy based on level 1A evidence as a preferred regimen in patients who have received uh, systemic therapy. If their tumor was PD-L1 positive, then uh, immune checkpoint inhibitor with chemotherapy. And for germline mutant BRCA carriers, then chemotherapy-based approaches or a PARP inhibitor first, and then after exhausting those options, going forward with sasituzumab-based therapy would be deemed appropriate. So in summary, based on guidance from both the FDA and EMA, as well as guidelines based on NCCN and ESMO, uh, treatment with sasituzumab govotecan is an appropriate therapy for patients with metastatic triple negative breast cancer who've at least received two prior lines of systemic therapy, one of which was given in the metastatic setting. Thanks so much for joining me. Please stay tuned for our next episode. Welcome to episode three, where I'll discuss a case that focuses on monitoring for ADC-related toxicities. Our patient is a 54-year-old woman with de novo metastatic triple negative breast cancer being treated frontline with gemcitabine and carboplatin, followed by second line capecitabine and third line eribulin, at which point she experiences progression of her disease in the liver. She initiates fourth line sasituzumab govotecan. She was noted to have uh, experienced neutropenia during treatment with iribulin, and so is wondering about how she will be monitored for these types of side effects when treated with sasituzumab. There is a fair amount of data emanating from the ASCENT clinical trial evaluating sasituzumab versus single-agent chemotherapy of physician's choice in terms of adverse events that we can expect with these therapies. Sasituzumab govotecan in this clinical trial was associated with more than a 60% rate of all-grade neutropenia and close to a 60% rate of diarrhea. Also, over half of patients experienced nausea. So fortunately, um, most of the moderate to severe events occurred at a low rate, but they do occur on this therapy. And so monitoring for patients is important with counts on day one and eight and asking patients about side effects um, before giving therapy. Our patient began sasituzumab on December 1st. Uh, she started at the starting dose of 10 milligrams per kilogram, and uh, by December 8th, her CBC revealed a neutrophil count of 850 with somewhat normal hemoglobin and platelet levels. So what should be the next step with this low uh, neutrophil count? Should she continue sasituzumab at the same dose? Should she have dose reduction by 25% or hold sasituzumab govotecan? So our particular patient had treatment held for grade three neutropenia, which in my opinion is the appropriate action. She received growth factor for two days and a week later came back and her blood count was repeated and now her neutrophil count was normal at 2000.
So what should be the next step now? Continue sasituzumab at the same dose, 10 milligrams per kilogram, continue it at a lower dose, or hold sasituzumab govotecan. There are published guidelines that help us in managing and monitoring patients with cytopenias while on sasituzumab. Patients should have their blood counts checked on day one and eight prior to giving therapy. And uh, if the neutrophils are less than 1,500 on day one or less than 1,000 on day eight, treatment should be held. Uh, of course, if a patient experiences neutropenic fever at any time during the cycle, therapy should also be held until recovery. For more severe neutropenias, such as grade four neutropenia or prolonged neutropenias, there are treatment guidelines that help us understand how to best manage that and when to resume therapy and whether to uh, reduce dose. For a patient where you're only holding the dose for two days and there is recovery within a week and it is not complicated, meaning there's no fever during the neutropenic episode, that patient may be resumed at the same dose level of sasituzumab govotecan. So in summary, the most common side effects uh, that are notable with sasituzumab in addition to alopecia are, of course, uh, neutropenia as well as diarrhea. Monitoring patients and managing patients for these side effects are important. Thank you for joining me. Please stay tuned for our final episode. Welcome to the fourth and final episode where I'll discuss a case that focuses on managing ADC-related toxicities. Our patient is a 62-year-old woman with metastatic triple negative breast cancer that is PD-L1 negative. She received single-agent car carboplatin, and her disease progressed after eight months with an increase in liver metastases. She maintained a good performance status and was treated with sasituzumab govotecan starting at 10 milligrams per kilogram. On cycle one, day one, the patient does fine, but when she comes in for cycle one, day eight, she notes uh, nausea, febrile neutropenia, as well as diarrhea with four loose stools over the last 24 hours. And so the question becomes, how do we best manage her ADC-related toxicities? What do we do in terms of dose modifications? And what sorts of supportive therapies can manage uh, these adverse events when they arise? There are treatment guidelines and management guidelines for toxicities associated with sasituzumab govotecan. For neutropenia, of course, patients should have treatment held if their ANC is less than 1,500 on day one or less than 1,000 on day eight. Um, moreover, for a patient who has neutropenic fever like our patient, the patient's treatment should be held until the patient is down to a grade one or lower. Her CBC should be assessed weekly, um, and if a patient ends up having to have greater than three weeks of hold due to prolonged neutropenia or fevers, um, then patients um, should be um, considered for having the treatment discontinued. 
if the patient uh, recovers um, and has had febrile neutropenia, then a dose reduction of sasituzumab by 25% is indicated once therapy is, is ready to be started again. Again, there are treatment guidelines that tell us what to do if a patient experiences a second or third occurrence or a severe side effect relating to cytopenias um, at any time point. In addition, there are guidelines that can help us manage uh, sasituzumab-induced diarrhea. Acute diarrhea um, that has occurred on, during or shortly after infusion can be managed with atropine as well as oral antidiarrheal agents. Um, and if the uh, diarrhea is a delayed onset, uh, standard loperamide uh, may be better um, suited for the patient. If the diarrhea resolves, you can discontinue the loperamide 12 hours after the last uh, episode of diarrhea, and patients should also be advised regarding dietary management, such as avoidance of lactose-containing uh, products, etc. Severe diarrhea, which is grade three or higher, or um, grade one or two progressing to grade three, four, um, patients should be assessed for dehydration with hospitalization considered, IV fluid hydration being given, and octreotide being uh, pro uh, provided to patients, as well as antibiotic therapy if indicated. If nausea and vomiting occurs, uh, because this is a moderately emetogenic agent, um, patients should be pre-medicated prior to each infusion, starting with a standard two-drug regimen, um, including a 5-HT3 antagonism, as well as dexamethasone. But if the nausea and vomiting occurs in spite of this, you can consider giving an NK1 antagonist as part of a three-drug regimen. And you can also give at-home as needed medications such as ondansetron or prochlorperazine, um, and some patients may benefit from olanzapine. Some of these agents may also help with diarrhea. Um, nausea, vomiting, and diarrhea are really important side effects to warn your patients about um, in order to help them uh, achieve the best quality of life as possible while they're on therapy. This brings us to the end of our activity. Thank you so much for joining. This has been an activity published by Pure Voice.